Hello and welcome to the Light from Light podcast. My name is Brother Thomas Therese, a Dominican prior and a son of the English province. And today is a very special episode because the summer is over, uh, which means today I'm joined by... Daniel. Yay, you're back. How is your summer? I'm back and yeah, it was a really good summer. I had a really nice rest over We went away on holiday to Somerset, which was really good. Yeah, very nice place, Bridgewater. That was that was lovely, and I got to see some family. Yeah, so I feel rested. Obviously, it was, it was still busy, still editing the episode. <laughs> You've been editing the reflections, uh. your reflections, <laughs> and doing a lot in the background, which uh, I'm yeah. sure we will have time to announce later in in, in episodes to come. Yeah, so we got make sure you're subscribed for exciting plans. Yeah, yeah make sure you're subscribed, subscribed. Uh, so then you can get to hear about the excitement exciting plans to, to come up yeah we've got some new things coming up in the pipeline it's not quite ready to announce yet but we can announce that we're gonna run that something <laughs> <laughs> it's a pre-announcement so we had a really good episode last week yourself we brother did albert. yeah brother albert talking about the reformation and actually we're sat in the ruins of godstow abbey which i know we've spoken about on a previous episode godstow abbey was a community of benedictine nuns uh, prior to the reformation and um, at the time of the Reformation, the nuns basically were kicked out by the state. Uh, the land was confiscated and given to the physician of Henry VIII. It's his personal family home. And uh, now it's a ruin. So one of those tragedies that we spoke about in the last episode during the Reformation was how, uh, you know, abbeys which previously had housed, you know, 20, 30 upwards um, Uh, nuns or friars or monks or something uh, were uh, seized by the state and whereas they had been arms houses, hospices, places of education and prayer, um, places where a sinner could find refuge and sanctuary, um, then they were seized by the state and uh, yeah, the the became the private dwelling of um, the private dwelling of an individual family. What actually happened to a lot of the abbeys around around Oxford uh, was when they were destroyed, like local wealthy local families would come and take the stone to build extensions onto their rather large mansions and houses mm. and, and things. So uh, by the time of Edmund Campion, who was uh, uh, St. Edmund Campion, who was around during the time of um, the reign of Elizabeth I, when he came to Oxford, there were so many ruined abbeys around the city and um, it, I mean it must have been just a, such a tragic sight so that's where we are today anyway yeah. uh, and it sort of links with our episode today because yes. we're, we're going to be talking about prayer and obviously this was a place of prayer at mm. one point so it fits really well with that uh, but it also fits really well with an earlier episode uh, we, we had in one of our very first episodes we had um, the subject of does God speak to us if you remember that, Brother Thomas. I do. And this episode is about prayer. And I sort of think of it as prayer as our response to God. Mm. So God speaks to us through different ways. And then we respond to him in prayer. So I thought actually this would be a good episode to start back with me back on the scene to, to talk about prayer and maybe some advice on, about how to start to pray or how to encourage others uh, how to, to, grow. to pray. Yeah. Yeah, how to grow in, in, in prayer mm. as well. So I think it really fits with that earlier episode if you get an opportunity to, to go and listen back to that. Uh, so what for you, in would you summarise as prayer? 
Uh, for me, I think that prayer really is everything. Uh, you know, we're supposed to pray without ceasing, and that doesn't mean uh, that we're expected to be in church all day, every day, necessarily. It means that actually everything that we do, everything that we do is something that's prayerful. It's something that can either lead us towards God or lead us away to God, uh, away from God. So I think that um, basically I think everything that we do to some extent is prayer. Uh, then we might talk about prayer under different aspects like intercessory prayer, if we're uh, praying for somebody else or... Um, yeah, there are different sort of types of prayer, adoration, sort of dwelling in the presence of the Lord. Um, but I think really that we're always in the presence of the Lord. And that means that everything that you do, whether it be the corporal works of mercy, of uh, clothing the naked or feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, uh, or spiritual works of mercy, like praying for the dead or something, all of these things, I think, are prayer. Uh, it reminds me of the Jewish philosopher Emmanuel Levinas, who says that you don't have a relationship with God outside of the relationship with your neighbor. Um, so when you, if you're somebody who, uh, when you know you pass a homeless person on the street or something, you know, goes and buys them something to eat or something, that's actually also part of your prayer life, in my opinion. That's also something which is about your relationship with God and your relationship with your neighbor. Um, there are always three people involved in any relationship. Uh, St. Aylred, when he starts talking about friendship, as we spoke about in a previous episode, he talks about how Christ is the person between the two friends, and he speaks about it like a new life. Well, Christ is present in every relationship, whether you recognize it or not. Uh, it's just about whether uh, you're going to recognize that and whether it's going to be a, a good and, and healthy relationship. Yeah, it reminds me actually of a quote from Pope Francis, he mentioned a few years ago, but he said the whole mission of the church, at the heart of the church's mission, is prayer. Yeah. So everything is is really directed to that. And yeah. I like to to teach, uh, it, you know, in my role in the parish. I like to to tell people actually, uh, the heart of prayer is a conversation with God. It's about yes. that relationship yeah. with God. So everything in the church yeah. is directed towards that. Yeah. Even your love of neighbours, you said, or the call for works of mercy. Everything is directed towards Absolutely. engaging in that. And I think I think also it's not just about our talking to God. It's also about our listening to God. That's also part of our prayer life. I think, and that then means that we have to have two, I think, fundamental, um, two fundamental dispositions at, at the heart of, of prayer. I think the first one, the first one really is an openness, uh, a certain sort of open-handedness. Uh, and the second one is very closely related to it. And that's, that's humility. I think if you're somebody, and this is why I think poverty is something which is not just about the possession of material goods or material wealth, poverty is actually a much, it's not just about simple living, it's a much wider, a much wider thing. I mean, we try to, it, it, part of it's about control and controlling everything and being completely self-sufficient. But actually at the heart of all prayer is actually, I'm not God, there is a God and I'm not him. Mm. Uh, and there's something that I need to be able to receive from God. There are things that I can't do on my own. So, for example, salvation, you know, no, no, none of us saves ourselves. Uh, and this then ties into our understanding of grace. But in order to receive something from God, you have to have open hands. And this relates to a quote of Teresa of Lisieux, where she says, at the end of my life, um, you know, when I stand before the throne of, of, of the Lord, I will be empty handed. And 
why, that empty-handedness is not just because she thinks that she hasn't done anything good in her life or that she hasn't participated with the grace of God, but it recognizes that all the good things that she has are gifts from God. And it also recognizes that if she has open hands, open empty hands, she's expecting the Lord to fill them. Yeah. And that, that is the first fundamental disposition, I think, of prayer. You have to be open to receive. If you've got closed hands because you're just trying to, you know, keep control of everything that you have and, and, and keep everything, yeah, keep everything you have under control. And if you have closed hands and closed fists, not prepared to give anything away in case you drop something or, or fear of losing something, well then, with closed hands, you can't receive anything into those hands either. So you have to be open and prepared to accept something from somebody else. And that requires humility in saying, I can't do everything by myself. Uh, I can't save myself. I need you, Lord. I need something else. And one thing that I notice is people who very often don't pray a lot, the times when they find it really easy to pray is when they're going through like either a crisis or a trauma. I mean, I know in my own life when, when I've dropped the ball in terms of my prayer life, it's in, in those moments of crisis and in those moments of trauma when I cry out to the Lord in anguish and, and in, in desperation. Mm. Um, that's then, you know, in, in all of those moments, I, re I, I realize that I'm recognizing um, there's something I need or something that I don't have and I'm relying on, on the help of another, uh, the, on the help of God to, to receive mm. those things. And obviously through other people as well. God can help you through other people. Yeah. But that, I think when we talk about prayer in, in, in the way you just did there, what often comes to my mind is personal prayer. So that it's, we can easily see that that's personal, personal prayer. But it's also the prayer of the church. Yes. So when, you, when, I, when you think of prayer in general, there's obviously there's prayer out loud that yes. we do as a community that we gather together to pray, and yours is obviously pretty obvious as a, as a friar. You gather together with your friars to pray together in community, mm -hmm. uh, but also you gather together at the Mass, and you gather together at, at different times, maybe yeah. baptism or those sorts of things. So you gather together, but then obviously there is that personal prayer, that interior prayer. Mm. And, but I think actually the dispositions that you mentioned there are applicable also to the church, yeah. to, your, to your religious community, to be... Absolutely. to be ready to receive from God in order to give those things to, to other people. And it ties to your vocation, people. right? Doesn't it? I mean, if you, if you think about it, I mean, nobody, nobody's vocation is something that they, that they do themselves. It's something given to them. So you have to be prepared. You have to be disposed to receive things, I think. Yeah. I think also in terms of individual personal prayer and also communal prayer, I think, I think, well, I, I know some people would sort of push back against what I'm about to say, but I, I do think, I feel very strongly that it's true. That when, sometimes we'll talk about praying on our own, right? And I think we can only mean that really in a metaphorical sense, um, because I don't think that really we can ever be on our own, because I think whenever we pray, uh, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, I think we're always in the presence of God. The Lord is always with us. And I think that, Whenever you pray, you are with the communion of saints. You're never on your own. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of what Jesus says in, in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, he says that when you, when you pray, go to your room, shut the door and pray. And, you know, you think you're on your own. But he, he goes on to say, your father, is your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So he's, he's with you 
there personally. Yes. On your own. And of course, uh, another time he says when two or, more two or three gathered. are gathered. Yeah. yeah. So in both in community, God is there. And also on your own personal yes. prayer, God is You're there. never on your own. I think that's a really important thing to, mm. to remember. Can you remember back to the first time that you started praying? Oh, that's a very good question. Yeah. Many, many moons ago. I think I do. I mean, I mean my... we were brought up in prayer. I mean, we, we were obviously baptized as, as babies. Yes. Yeah. I remember my mum teaching me to pray as a very young child. And it starts off with those very simple prayers. And then you start to... Mm. Uh, start to learn some some of the more written prayers, which are obviously very important because I think those prayers teach you something. They teach you the right disposition, and obviously the the Our Father coming from, yeah. from Jesus Himself that teaches us something through that prayer. Well, that's where I started. I started okay. with those, with those uh, more sort of what we might call formulaic prayers, mm. um, and that's because my family, uh, as I've mentioned before, um, they, I mean, my my nan and my auntie Brenda. They and my auntie Pat, they they went to mass all the time. And my auntie Lola, they used to they used to go to mass every weekend. And um, but before that, uh, I didn't really I didn't really think about prayer a lot, and I didn't really I didn't really know about prayer or how to pray or really what it was. And my nan taught me the rosary. She taught me. I remember when when I first went to mass, she taught me the Our Father of Hail Mary and the Glory Be, and they were the prayers that she expected me to pray af after. Uh, I'd been up and received a blessing from the priest because I couldn't receive Holy Communion then. I was about seven. But before that, I'd, I hadn't really ever been to church. I wasn't really praying at home, but I loved church so much um, that then I wanted to learn more and more. And my nan taught me the rosary. I remember sort of trying to read the Gospels when I was about eight or nine uh, at home. I'd pray the, uh, the rosary when I was at home. Um, and then as I got a little bit older, I wanted to learn these prayers in Latin and uh, things like that. And... Um, so yeah, my prayer so life sort of expanded. Yeah. yeah, but it was if it was in a book, then I had a lot more confidence. But because oh. as, as it says in um, as as it says in in the letters of Saint Paul, you know we don't know how to pray as we ought very often, and I didn't really know how to 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 sort of pray sort of ad lib. Uh, it makes sense with the, the the disciples. So when Jesus actually teaches the disciples that the prayer, the Our Father, it comes from the disciples asking. Jesus to teach them. Yeah. So they, I mean, they knew the prayers. They yeah. went to the synagogue to, to yes. pray together. And jo even John the Baptist had taught some of them prayers. But that prompted them to ask Jesus himself how, how to pray. And, and then he pray. shows them mm. at the, the heart of that prayer is that childlike relationship with the Father, mm. isn't it? It's that in relation to, to God, we are like children asking to receive from God the good things that he knows already. That's very interesting. That reminds me actually of something that the Pope said in one of his, uh, uh, each week the Pope has a, a general sort of catechesis sort of session. I think it's on Wednesdays. Uh, you might remember from your time in Rome. I'm not sure if you if you ever went to them. But they, they, yeah. He would have a general sort of catechesis. Actually, I don't think that's, that's probably not something that our listeners know. So I was in Rome for, for some time. I lived, uh, I lived in Rome there. Although, don't ask me about Italian. I hardly know <laughs> any Italian. But yeah, every Wednesday, uh, well, most Wednesdays in the year, he'd have a general, a general audience. General audience, and he yeah. he gives catechesis, doesn't he, on a particular issue relating to the faith. That's right. Well, when he talks about prayer, I think it might have been before he prayed, before he gave his catechesis on the Our Father, he said that the the secret to all good prayer is the disposition of a child to his father, uh, and I, I I think that's that's. That is key, I think. That is crucial. And again, it's that sort of trust and it's that open openness 
to Lord, gosh, I'm not sure if our listeners can hear the geese. There's loads of Canadian geese flying to warmer pastures. I thought they were um, flying towards us then. <laughs> they veered off. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned about the, the disposition of the child, actually, because I remember a quote from, from someone you love very much, St. Oh. Therese of the, of the two. <laughs> <laughs> but her quote is, I pray like children who do not know how to read. I say very simply to God what I wish to say without composing beautiful sentences. And he always understands me. Yeah. So that's, I think, isn't that beautiful? It's a disposition of the heart of a childlike trust and faith in in God Mm. to provide what we need. Not necessarily what we want, because sometimes what we want is not good for us. Uh, Just like any parent would would know that sometimes what their child asks for is not good for them. So you don't want to give it to them. Yes. But with with God, God knows what is good for us. And he also has a, a godlike perspective on the world, doesn't he? He has a different perspective on things right so it may be that we think that something is good for somebody that we want and it may actually be then that the lord uh, that the lord says well actually i might have something better in mind you know what what uh, father when when the when somebody asks when when, a, when their child asks for a loaf of bread would hand them a scorpion as jesus says in, in scripture but also you know when we don't know how to pray uh, for whatever reason that it, it the, it, we find in scripture that the Holy Spirit mm. intercedes on our behalf uh, with a sigh too deep for words, you know. Like that sigh just then. <laughs> <laughs> the sigh of mine. <laughs> the sigh that Dan feels when he sees that I've sent him a message on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's literally another uh, quote actually from St. Saint, Saint Therese. She says, prayer is a surge of the heart. Mm. Even that's where, where I think the Holy Spirit is working us to surge through our being, surge through our heart. She says it's a simple look, turn toward heaven. It's a cry of recognition and of love yeah. in the midst of both hardship and joy. Mm. It is something great, supernatural, which expands my soul and unites me to Jesus. Mm. So really going back to some of those things that we mentioned, so conversation with God, a relationship yeah. with God, it, it prompts you further towards God, closer to God. Herbert, um, Herbert McCabe, uh, my brother, uh, who's gone to his eternal reward now, um, Herbert said that every prayer that we pray, no matter where we are, every good thing that we ask for in prayer is a movement of the Holy Spirit within us. Um, I, that's something that I find actually very encouraging. It reminds us that God has always made that first move. Um, and the promptings of, of the Holy Spirit. Every good thing that we ask for in prayer is actually the Holy Spirit sort of nudging us in that in that direction. Yeah, helping us to pray. Mm. Do you have any favorite any favorite prayers? Do you like to pray? Do I what? I like to pray, or do I like to pray? I like <laughs> I like to pray. <laughs> are there are there any particular prayers that you find yourself sort of drawn to and? Yeah, I think as as time goes on, uh, I think I appreciate more the the prayers of the office i, I would mm. say i like uh what's the, I the divine like office just in case prayer. somebody doesn't doesn't know on the yeah well you what is it you would be uh, probably better at explaining it because you you pray every day or, oh, or I you thought should you'd ask. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would say so the reason why maybe you can explain what the liturgy of the hours of the divine office is in a minute but the mm. those hours of prayer uh, i think especially for me night prayer because you know my life is, is a little bit busy at times with, mm. you know, with work mm. and, uh, and studies and life at home. And I think night prayer, the last thing you finish, it helps you, it helps set the rhythm of the day within Absolutely. a wider context. Mm. So within the life of the church. 
So I, I find that time of prayer, the night prayer, being able to, to yeah. stop at the end of the day, bring it all back to God, to everything in that day. And, and in that night prayer, you have the examination of conscience. Mm. You ask God for, for forgiveness. You ask God to, to, to be with you as you rest, as yes. you finish that day. I, th I think that's probably my, my favorite prayer, the night prayer, the Compline. Compline. The Compline's my favorite too, uh, not just because it's the, the shortest. My favorite time. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Probably favorite time in of, of prayer. Um, but I, again and again, I come back to, to the Our Father just because it, it, I think it's, it draws us back to what the heart of prayer was for, for Jesus. You know, such a beautiful The prayer. pattern of all prayer. Yeah, yeah who does yeah. it that? I think it's in the liturgy, isn't it? The yeah. Prayer. yeah, I think that would be mine. What about yours? So night prayer because oh, it's I the shortest. <laughs> I love Compline, yeah. And I, Compline is probably my favourite hour of the office to pray. So the office, the, the divine office or the, um, the I mean, it's the church's prayer. And in the Acts of the Apostles, we read that the, um, that the, the apostles used to go up to the temple at certain hours through the through the day to pray and what was it they'd be praying well they'd be praying the psalms and that's what the divine office is it's a particular structure and arrangement of the psalms uh that you pray and if you it, there's a four weekly cycle uh which means that within the month then you should have prayed pretty much the whole psalmody um and it'll have a scriptural reading in there and there are different antiphons and there are different what we call commons so a particular, let's say the common of Our Lady, today being the Feast of Our Lady of Walsingham, the, today we pray the the common of Our Lady, so you'll have, say, a hymn to Our Lady at the beginning, and there'll be particular psalms that you'll pray throughout the day with with antiphons that, that try to highlight uh, something to, to do with Our Lady in the, in the economy of salvation, as it were, and then you'll have a, a reading that will be appropriate for, for the day. And it's it's you have morning prayer you have the office of readings where you have two sort of spiritual readings one from uh sacred scripture and another one uh from um spiritual edifying writings like from the lives of the saints for example um, and then you might have midday office which is fairly short vespers which is evening prayer and compline which is night prayer and compline is my favorite what i notice when the community plays prays compline together uh, let's say we have dinner and we finish, we do the washing up together and then we'll have Compline, say, I don't know, half past eight, something like that. And um, what I notice is after that, there's such a peace mm. that comes upon the house. You know, ordinarily, uh, like let's say if we don't have Compline or something in, in the house in common uh, and each brother sort of prays at a, a, a different time before they go to bed. Some brothers really like to do it just before they go to bed, the last thing that they do in the day. Mm. And... Um, but I find that when we do it sort of together, there's people move differently. You know, yeah. they move differently and there's a hush and a peace that comes into the community. And I noticed myself, I would be le far less inclined to go to my back to my room and work, far less inclined to go and uh, call somebody. I'd be in a very prayerful disposition and a very sort of meditative state. And actually, I find it easier to, to sleep in those moments. Uh, so Compline, I would say, is 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 probably my favourite of the of the offices mm. to pray. I, I would just I would just add to that as well. Actually, that's my my interior uh, feeling, or for want of a better word, mm. after praying. Compline. Disposition, yeah, mm. disposition is is much more restful, mm. and and I just really like being able to draw the whole day back yeah. to to God. Mm. You know, it well, might it's have been a few hours. 
yeah, it's interesting you say sort of draw, draw, drawing, drawing the day to a close, because how I often think of Compline actually is a beginning. I find it, I, for myself, I, I think of it as a beginning of a vigil, beginning the watch of the night uh, when, you know, it's sort of dark. And, you know, so. I suppose it's both, though, isn't it? It's yeah. drawing the day that's, uh, that's ended or we're going to, we're going to sleep. So you're yeah. drawing that you give back thanks to God. for the day that has been. Yeah, and then yeah. you're you're commending the night to him, the yes. night watch, yeah, yeah, as 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 we call it, yeah. and then and the start of the next day. Yeah, you know, the vigil will be the start of the next day. A lot of the so brothers might together. sort of say, uh, like, uh, usually if we have Compline, then there won't be any really talking afterwards and things. But it reminds, it, like, when we're sort of going to bed, a lot of the brothers will say something like, uh, "No night, God bless," you know. I see you in the morning, and then the other brother will reply, "If we're spared," <laughs> uh, and it re it reminds dark. us again that watchfulness, uh, keeping watch with the Lord, um, and, until uh, daybreak, sort of symbolising new life and the resurrection in the world to come. Um, but I would say, in terms of other prayers that I really appreciate, there's a prayer that that I I pray um, uh, before I go to bed to Our Lady which I find really, be really beautiful. Obviously, the Dominicans have a very strong devotion to Our Lady and the Rosary. Another, another, um, another prayer that I like, which I think is often overlooked, is the angelic crown or the, um, the chaplet to St. Michael. And this is made up of one Our Father, three Hail Marys, and you, a different sort of prayer at the beginning of each of these nine sets. Uh, one to the seraphim one to the cherubim one to thrones principalities all the different sort of all of the nine choirs of angels and i'll be asking for things like uh particular virtues for example and i i found that that has been very very uh helpful to me in my in my prayer life and there are certain promises associated with the devotion so that's something that i pray often is the is the chaplet to saint michael uh, you listeners will be able to find out about that online if you if you Google the chaplet of St Michael. So when I, we're thinking about uh, thinking about people that approach us in our lives and they perhaps haven't prayed before mm. or perhaps haven't uh, can't see the heart of prayer and you yeah. want to introduce them to to prayer in a, in a different way or maybe for the first time, what would you advise? I think firstly start going to mass. Um, <laughs> uh -huh. I think that's something. I mean, because the mass is prayer. I mean, I know sometimes yeah. we can sort of lose sight of that, but actually it is prayer. And I think that prayer is actually much more ordinary than what people think. Mm. Um, it's uh, not just, um, uh, yeah, I, I think more prayer, I think, can be much more sort of common and ordinary than you think. Just going yeah. to mass, saying the response at mass, that is also prayer. And, and, and listening I would say, to the readings, I would you know. say on, on that point, actually, it's much more ordinary is it make you can make it an ordinary thing. So let it permeate everything. So even everything just a simple do. thank you to, to God or gratitude, Lord, yeah. help me in this moment. Yes. You know, and it doesn't need to be elaborate, as Jesus says, it, it can just be just be quiet. It can be a little quiet interior word, mm. but know that that Jesus is there. Uh, there's a quote from Teresa of Avila, St. Teresa of Avila. She says, however quietly we speak, he is so near that he will hear us. We have no need of wings to go in search of him, but have only to find a place where we can be alone and look upon him present within us. Yeah. Yeah. And do you well, remember that, that, that saying? That's really important, actually. I mean, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. Uh, remember that. I mean, with, with, with baptism, of course, you know, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit 
you know, uh, coming through the sacraments and, 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 uh, and all the rest of it. But, you know, uh, Carl Jung has a great quote, bidden or not bidden, God is present, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> so even if, let, let's say, even, even, even if you're not baptized, that desire to reach out for the Lord is itself prompted, mm. as, as Herbert McCabe, you know, rightly said, is itself prompted by the Lord. He is, he is still with you, whether you like it or not. Yeah. He's uh, bitten or Even not Even if bitten, I go down to the depths of the earth, you're still there. <laughs> yeah, or sail beyond the farthest stretches of the of the ocean or climb the highest mountain. Still, I will find you there. Some 139, yeah. 38, something like that. Which is, which is obviously very reassuring if, if uh, you, you want God to be there. But if you're trying to flee him, a little bit difficult. Well, yeah, but I mean, like Jonah. I mean, That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So even if we can't find the words for, for prayer, we have those prayers, the Our Father, Hail, the Hail Mary, and they're teaching us something to yes. pray. So I think that's always a good starting place. So if someone wants that's to pray, you give, them, give them the Our Father, give them it written the sign so of the they cross, can start. You know, mm. in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. I mean, that, that, why is it that we begin and end our, our prayers with that? You're entering into, you're entering, you're, you're, you're entering into the life of the Trinity, yeah, you know, the life of God. It, it reminds yeah. us about that. You're, you're invoking the Lord. You're invoking the Lord. Okay. But I, I, yeah, I, I think those sort of prayers, which are uh, written down like the Our Father, uh, the Hail Mary. I mean, sometimes people can be a bit, uh, some of our Protestant friends might be a little bit worried about the Hail Mary, but don't forget that the first part of the Hail Mary is found in scripture, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, hail full of grace, uh, hail Mary full of grace. Who's that? It's the angel Gabriel. Um, the Lord is with you. Who's that? Saint Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the is the is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Saint Elizabeth. Um, pray for us, Holy Mother of God, now and at the hour of our death. Is an invocation asking Our Lady to pray for us, which based very much on the ideas that you find in Scripture. For example, in the Book of Revelation. Um, the glory be, glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yep. As it was in the beginning, the is God. now and ever shall yeah. be the world of our ten domains. Bring yeah. us back to the inner life of God. I suppose, like the best piece of advice to give, really, is as I can't, I forget which brand it is now, where they say just do it. I was uh, going to say is that the same thing. <laughs> do you know, what I, I was going to say that I remember some advice that someone gave to me once. It was like, or they were given in a talk. They're like, how do you how do you start prayer? Just do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. You know, pray the Our Father. That's uh, Nike, I think. Nike. Nike. Um, yeah, who, of course, is the Greek god of victory, I think. Uh, so, you know, you want to oh. be victorious, pray. Uh, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Yeah, I, you know, our Father, Hail Mary, glory be. Maybe you want to look up the the uh, the chaplet of St. Michael or the rosary or something. But, you know, you can start small and build up. Your, and one of the one of the geniuses, there's this place called uh, Taizé in France. And one of the things that I think they really get right, because they have a lot of people who go there who will not be used to praying. Lots of yeah. young people going there who are not used to praying, especially not praying frequently. And they begin, um, say, with like 10 minutes of prayer. And then throughout the week, they get a bit longer and a bit longer and a bit longer. They ease them in. So you do that, you know. Yeah. If you find it difficult to pray for long periods of time, do it for short periods of time. Do um, you remember back in, this just remind me of something, back in Genesis, when yes. Adam and Eve are walking in the cool of the evening, Remember, mm. it describes that walking in the cool of the evening with God, and it mentioned them just talking honestly with yeah. God. And I think prayer, if you have that in your mind, is that conversation with God, and and God speaks to us through yes. different ways. You know, you can 
go back and listen to that earlier episode of the ways that God speaks to us. And then our response is, is that prayer. And as you say, it can be those very simple words of, of conversation that you would have with anyone. And then also the, the written prayers or the, the prayer of the church, the, the mass, the liturgy mm. of the hours. Th- these are all ways of our, our responding to, yeah. to God. And doing also the, the, the corporal works of mercy, for example, volunteering yeah, right. at a, a homeless shelter. Mm. I mean, Mother Teresa uh, rightly points out, you know, whatsoever you do to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, that you do to me, uh, which is from the end of, of Matthew's gospel. And she saw Christ in the homeless and in the poor. And so very much she saw those moments of service, serving other people, helping the homeless, helping the sick, helping those people who can't help themselves visiting prisoners, visiting people who are in uh, nursing homes. And you don't have to look far to find people who your need help. Need. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, you can look within your own family. I mean, I'm sure all of us yeah. know, you know, somebody who might be a bit of a black sheep or might be somebody who um, might be somebody who is in a nursing home and doesn't get very many visitors or something. Why do you think I'm friends with you? Hey, <laughs> very good. Very good. So we're, we're going to be drawing this uh, episode to a close. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Please subscribe if you're not a subscriber already. We really appreciate it. It helps to get the podcast out to, to more people. And of course, if you have any questions or any topics that you want us to cover, please comment in the Uh, on the episode and hopefully we'll be able to see that and um, be able to do an episode on that but thank you for joining us for this episode and we'll be with you again shortly god bless you god bless bye-bye